I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. We're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. Wee! Hey! Hi! Hi, Molly. Hello. I am so excited to talk about this episode. Me too. Genuinely, guys, first banger episode for me. I disagree with you. We can't like the same episode. We can't. If we did, the podcast would explode. It is known. It's fine. No, but I deliberately did not text you because oh. I was like, I, I enjoyed watching it. Okay. I have a bunch of criticisms, right. but I did genuinely enjoy watching it, but I didn't text you because I didn't want to bias you in any way. I appreciate it. I wanted it. you to have your own unique experience of this episode. And I sure did. And this, oof, this had some really great Serena joy for you. Woo! Let's get into it. Well, first we have some housekeeping. Great. We have some Martha work to take care of. All right, BB child. Uh, So (laughs) are you talking to me? I'm talking to the royal BB child. (laughs) Uh, Prince George? Oh, wait. What's the new one? Uh, Archie. Archie. God, I love Meghan Markle so much. Like, oh, my God. Like, big props to Harry, because it's like, how are you going to do better than Kate Middleton? Uh, Oh, he did it. He done did it. Anyhow, you can support us on Venmo.com slash Red All Over. And that's really great because we use that to have a little cache on the side when we have meetings or if sometimes I need to get home from Oakland and I get a car. It all goes to this podcast. And the people who donated to us are Heather Johnston. Johnston. That's a great last name. And Heather's a great first name. Didn't have a joke for there, but I love you. Chad McMullen, supporter, longtime listener, longtime fan. Chad, you rad. Elizabeth Hone. Elizabeth Hone. Hone on the range. Love you. Jillian Pagan. Wow. I, I would run around a maypole with you. Get it? Pagan, pagan, bad joke. Catherine Hunter. I want to gather your fandom and hold it close to my body. I think you're great. Jim Egan, also longtime listener, frequent Facebook commenter. Jim Egan, simply the best. Christine Espinola. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Christine, you look great today. Connor McKivy, McKivy, McKivy. This is not a song. I love you, Connor. Kelly Tailsnick. Wow. I want to tell me the Tailsnick of Kelly. I'm sure it's a great time. A shout out to Carla. Oh boy, Carla. I'm so sorry. Carla Grzybowski. Wow. A big last name for a big personality. You're doing great. Allie Lawless. Did you drink enough water today? Boom. You're looking great. Take yourself to lunch today. I love you. Thank you, Allie. Woo, Venmo shoutouts. I got a joke for Heather Johnston. Thank you. Uh, my favorite play is <laughs> The Devil and Heather Johnston. Yay! Uh, I think it's actually Daniel Webster. Anyway, look. Okay. Uh, sorry, Heather. Uh, additional shoutouts. Uh, some people are saying that they're having trouble with uh, Venmo, including one person who told us they couldn't Venmo us because they got kicked out of Venmo because of problems with their sugar daddy, which is a very good Ooh. reason to get kicked off of Venmo. I want to hear that podcast. Yeah, me too. Hopefully they'll record one. But uh, if you can't, <laughs> if you can't uh, donate to us via Venmo, you can donate to a charity in our name. So pe- two people who did that are Jeanne Hospod and Grace Wenk. One of them donated to NARAL, which is the uh, North American Reproductive 
something something they for abortions y'all they're all pro-choice america i know that full name one of them donated to planned parenthood in our name so thank you sweet sweet listeners for doing your part to support us in so many ways beautiful all right before we get into the recap proper i have some sort of just like general gilead questions that i have been racking up and i kept forgetting to bring them up ggq's ggq's it's my favorite magazine Mm. So these are my general questions. Some of them are plot oriented. Some of them are world building oriented. Mm -hmm. Some of them are just like emotion oriented. First of all, I feel like The Handmaid should be shitting on Econo Wives more. This is based on my time working in retail at malls where everybody who worked in a store would like shit on people who worked in a kiosk. Yeah. And it's like... I don't know exactly what form it would take, but I, you know, we know that the there's tension there. Like the Econo wives look down on the handmaids, but the handmaids, I mean, also we don't see that many handmaids who are like, yay, thumbs up Gilead. We also don't see that many Econo people. We don't. Especially recently. Yeah. Uh, get with the program, y'all. You know, we love Econo people. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just, I, I feel like the handmaids don't have as much to say about that, which is, you know, that may be a choice. I just want to see them like shitting on them. Okay. That's just what I want. All right. Um, how does Gilead have so much meat? This is a great question as well. Because we know that they're supposed to be like at zero emissions or something from the Mexico episode, which I'll get to again in a, in the recap, actually. Wow. You'd get to it sooner than Bruce Miller has. Uh- <laughs> we know we know but, um, the other thing is like you know most of the characters that we're spending time with are in commander's homes mm-hmm. well this ties into the econo people question too because it's like are econo people the ones who have to like eat more vegan and vegetarian mm, interesting and the people with a higher rank are the ones who get to have meat i'm just very curious how and you know not only that like from an agricultural perspective we know huge swaths of the country have been rendered radioactive and toxic right so it's like where is their agriculture actually taking place yeah well we know from our gal's guide to gilead episodes that there are some colonies that are agricultural colonies so they exist but you're right it does seem like an awful lot of meat eating is going on from a place that supposedly only has has way fewer agricultural centers Mm -hmm. than they used to and especially if you if you don't trade with a lot of people yeah although i think and again we'll get into this in the episode yeah just hold that thought Alrighty, um because i'm about to go off Alrighty. um i think it's really interesting this is more of a thought than a question <laughs> this is more of a statement wow what is this an audience q a yes isn't that what this whole podcast is <laughs> i mean truly i think it's interesting that we're seeing so many of the characters who we know to be anti-gilead using the Gilead sign-offs unironically, people like June and Rita, you know, they'll say, you know, blessed be the fruit or, you know, under his eye and that kind of thing, like as a genuine term of affection. So I think it's something interesting to think about, like that this language, I wouldn't go so far as to saying that characters have reclaimed it because they're still very much like under the boot, but it's like, they have adapted and like this is just a normal part of their lives now. Absolutely. And I, I think that too. I also think that using that language is we've seen it be a good sort of tester to mm-hmm. be like, are you cool mm-hmm. or not cool? Because yeah. if because you can tell in the way someone responds if they're just saying it to say yeah. it or if they're like 
truly yeah. drank the Kool-Aid Carol style. Um, so, so yeah, I, uh, I think that is something good to pay attention to. Um, I did write what happened to handmade import export. We're still not going to find out this episode. What happened to no. that? Even <laughs> as the world of international politics royals. Yeah. <laughs> is Nick still an I? We get some information in this episode, but I'm skeptical. I don't know. I am too. I, well, because <laughs> we know his sort of like contact who was his in with the eyes is dead now. Yeah. So it's like, where, where is he falling? Where do his loyalties lie? Again, this is a big question that is remaining unanswered in this episode, but we get, we get some context. Mm -hmm. I have many thoughts on that. We'll get to that later. Great. Finally, relevant to your interest, did Fred ever do his speech for Serena? Ooh, I don't know. I, it doesn't feel like it. It really doesn't feel like it at <laughs> all. So he's got to practice it in front of a few more sex workers before he gets the kinks worked out. <laughs> well, he can you know try. I mean. You know, he can try. You know, Jezebel's DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He je- which is called the Whore of Babylon, as you <laughs> mentioned a few episodes ago. I'm just so glad that Heidi Fleiss is still getting work. You know, good for her. <laughs> all right, shall we dive right in? Yeah, my first thought was on the. Oh wait, let's name this episode. Oh yes, season three, episode six, household. Now. For our drinking redheads, drink every time they say household and you will be on the goddamn floor because they really... You will be on the floor within the first five minutes. They are not playing around with this episode title. I don't even drink and I was drunk by the time they got done. You are going to be fucked up if you play this drinking game. So go for it. So... Cheers. My first note, this was just in like the still screenshot while the episode was loading was like Fred playing pool. And I just wrote, oh, no, Fred is playing pool. I don't want to see that. Oh, but you did. Well, it turns out I did. I didn't know. I didn't know. (laughs) We didn't know. We were so young. We were so young. Oh, and quick up top because we recorded these so long ago and i did shoddy research i've been shouting out Anne crabtree for a lot of this season mm-hmm. and uh, she is no longer the costume designer whoopsie i had no idea the costume designer is natalie bronfman and uh she's also on instagram her instagram is not as good as <gasps> Anne's. Uh, but she's very nice and she makes some really cool choices this episode so just heads up natalie bronfman oh. is the person you need to ask for those boots the I guess. wife outfits alone woo 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 was dying between the wife outfits and the oppression dicky she just did some (laughs) amazing work i love you so much all right let's get into it i'm sorry okay and and this is from the previously on has fred always sounded like this yes are you serious because it sounds like he has laryngitis on top of being a creepy douche he sounded like this from episode one bb god Shakespeare uh, in love. Shakespeare in love. Get Gwyneth Paltrow in here. Oh, I'm kidding. Don't. We don't need any more vaginal misinformation on this show. Ah, <laughs> uh, what a delight. Okay, so we. <laughs> my first note is we open on the set of a music video because <laughs> it's like wind chimes in the snow, and it's all it's of- snowing again. Because if you'll recall, it's always winter in Gilead. <laughs> So all the Marthas are kneeling and I drew a picture of the sort of there are damn they are getting their money's worth of the crane shots. Yeah. In and this the, episode. the chessboard imagery Whew. was like if you drank every time they said household every time they did an overhead crane shot and every time there was chessboard imagery yeah, in this yeah. episode go to the hospital you're dying please drink some water. <laughs> you need help. Um, <laughs> but I think what's neat about this is that something that I, I'm sure the cinematographer or whatever paid attention to was 
making things look like eyes from overhead. Mm-hmm. So we had a really neat like Count Olafy uh, sort of <laughs> shot where the circle of Martha's in the snow is the pupil and the handmaids and wives and stuff walking over their arch is either the top of an eye or like an eyebrow. It was a really neat shot. So what was your take on this circle? Because in June's voiceover, she talks about this is the only source of information she has about whether or not Nicole is still in Canada. Yeah. Is your take that these Marthas are earnestly praying for Nicole's safe return or is this them being subversive? I mean, I just feel like one of the struggles I have with this show is I just feel like we don't get enough of the true believers Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is because the world of the books is so limited in it. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is an episode, especially where you start to see the seams because it's like at any point when you zoom out, it's just like questions on questions on questions. But I would I think that that is some of the beauty of this show is that we're always questioning people's loyalties. And it's not that I'm questioning people's loyalties. I'm questioning more the world building. Ah, uh, okay. Like, I don't mind questioning their loyalties, but I also don't have a barometer. Well, and again, which is why I think the stuff that we've learned about Nick in this episode doesn't quite hold up, because I'm like, it's very tell-don't-show this episode. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess I believe you. I would bet, because we've seen, you know, people are genuinely interested in more children and the welfare of children, mm-hmm. you know, as much as you can be concerned about the welfare of children when you're raping women to get them. Yeah. Anyway, agree. Uh, so I would buy that these Marthas either are doing this for show mm-hmm. because, um, you know, it's a good excuse to get outside. <laughs> uh, I don't know. And a show of piety like goes a long yeah. way. But, you know, there are probably some of them that are genuinely like something scary is happening to a kid. We got to rally just feel together from a, from a narrative and storytelling perspective. I feel like every character we meet, it's like, OK, start the clock. When are we going to find <laughs> out they're part of the resistance? <laughs> That's funny. And I love this notion that like they're praying for one thing. And June says, I pray their prayers go unanswered. Yeah. And I love the whole talking about Serena and Fred. She's like, I either pray Serena kind of sees the light and comes to her senses, or I hope she gets hit by a truck. Either is good for me. I think this might be a case of Chekhov's truck. This is the second time it's been brought up. Oh, no. Well, because remember, she told off Robert, a.k.a. Carol, that a handmaid pushed her walking partner in front of a truck. I didn't... I didn't love... The I'm honestly down for either. And I think this speaks to something you've talked about before about the difficulty of Margaret Atwood's prose existing like in conversation. And this is like this monologue was not from the book at all. Yeah. But it's like these sort of like meditative things. And it's like the constraints of June in the book versus here like in the book she's much more eloquent and we get pieces of that sometimes but it's just like sometimes it's very weird for me in a different way than you know like our fucker who fucks yeah, in I was gonna say. but it's just like okay <clears throat> like it just felt very jarring to me because that's such a contemporary thing uh-huh um, well, well you're about to be real jarred coming up yeah listen <laughs> I, mm. okay <laughs> Anyway, that's just something that I've been thinking about. Like, just the difficulty of reconciling the Atwoodian verbal sensibility with the way people actually talk. I found it jarring in a good way, and I liked that. 
So we're of two minds. The next scene is in J-Law's kitchen. No Shapenese fires this time. So Joey Lawrence does the least in this episode. As he says, uh, you know, pack your bags. There's a week of public prayer in D.C. And I was like, oh, this must be the real pravaganza. Oh, hell yeah. You know? I was excited. But also, this whole scene read to me not as, like, Joey Lawrence being, like, off in his own, but it was just like, oh, they forgot to call Whitford that day. (laughs) And they were like, hey, quick, your cravat call was an hour ago. (laughs) You can't miss cravat call. (laughs) Um, This whole whole, uh, season, I've been a little fatigued by, like, whoa, she's back with the Waterfords. Back and forth mm-hmm. and back and forth. It reminds me of like when sitcoms get long in the tooth and they're like, what? Mr. Feeney followed them to college. Yeah. But I love, I love, <laughs> but this I love episode. Mr. Feeney so much yeah. that I allow it. Yeah. Uh, Serena Joy is my Mr. Feeney, I guess. Because uh, <laughs> they are both wise and beautiful. Um, but I quickly got over it because I really like this episode. So you want to speak any more about this? Scene? No, I mean, he does come in and say, shouldn't a Martha be doing that? She's putting, you know, some kimchi jars on a mm-hmm. shelf or something. And she's like, just trying to make myself useful, sir. Get it. But I'm like, what? Like, everybody in this house, just shut up. Yeah. Like, up is down. Black is white. Handmaids touch jars. The next scene is at the Handmaid's Express, all aboard. So I do wonder is, I mean, also it's sort of like the Northeast. So I know there's a lot more train travel in that region. But I also wonder if air travel in general is limited due to their environmental concerns. Because we saw Serena Joy go to Toronto on a freight plane. Yeah. Uh And... You know, that could have been for, you know, that could have been for any number of reasons. It could have just been expediency. It could have just been, you know, oh, they can't, you know, risk putting her on a commercial flight. That makes total sense. But she and Fred flew when they went to Toronto before, right? Yes. I think they did. Yes. Um, but I think ooh, it was a similar plane. I wish they us some interior shots of them on the plane <laughs> in their ridiculous ass outfits. Oh my gosh. It's like, do you have a Gilead section? Oh boy, probably. <laughs> um, so, also though, shouldn't June be like Hannibal lectured up? I know. <laughs> well, like, oh yeah, let's see her next to the aunt who's recovering from a stab wound. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's a great idea. So she looks out the window and ooh, we get a gorgeous shot. It's the faint outline of the Washington Monument, mm-hmm. which is now bah, 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 across. Yeah, I think I feel like they should have knocked the top off, though, because it still looks like a dick. You yeah, know? you know, less dick-like, guys. Yeah. Well, you know what? To be honest, the Sons of Jacob were like, it's perfect. <laughs> Can we add some balls? It's a symbol of American virility. Add some pubes. Um, so they arrive at the train station and I do you unless know? am I skipping something no 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 okay. go ahead go ahead go ahead I don't know okay I neither. don't know anything about Washington so uh Washingtonian redheads yeah it seemed like a bunch of these places and buildings were like real significant but yeah. I was like it, this could literally be anything. I mean, I think that there must be like a mural or something like that that they got rid of oh, Okay, in the train station because June and Aunt Lydia are on the escalator and June's like, it was so beautiful before. And Aunt Lydia's like, shut the fuck up. Well, she's, it was designed by heretics. Yeah. So I really, damn, sorry guys. Yeah, we didn't do the sorry. research. Sorry, you all. No, listen, they like to correct us. Did you know that hand clinics are a thing? <laughs> it's where you get your hands treated. Thank you to all 4,000 of you. <laughs> <laughs> wrote texted uh telegrammed us about that we apologize to those who have suffered catastrophic hand injuries, <laughs> hand injuries 
I'd be very interested to learn what the sort of behind the music is there. I promise we we did do some research. I have some cool intel on the uh, Lincoln Memorial coming up. So just stay tuned. So uh, I fucking loved everything that Aunt Lydia did this episode. Like as much as the Commander mixtape episode felt like trolling me specifically, mm-hmm. this entire aunt lydia everything felt like a gift to me specifically because i loved when they're there and aunt lydia says i'm pumped people used to say that didn't they i'm pumped are you pumped and i'm just like it's just so like when your mom is like on the snapchat yeah it totally seemed like a scene we wrote it did seem like a scene that we wrote this is a fortenberry episode it is by the way uh this is a new director dearbla walsh Mm -hmm. um i did no research on dearbla dearbla uh also yeah i didn't really irish american that's cool Ooh, Uh, (laughs) that's all i got uh yeah. May the world rise up to meet you, Dearbla. Oh, Dearbla. We're probably pronouncing it wrong because nothing is said the way it's spelled in Gaelic. <laughs> She's like, actually, my name is Melissa. <laughs> it's spelled Dearbla, but it's pronounced Anne. Um, so they, ooh, man, we see our first glimpse of a handmaid with their mouth covered. Yeah, and I was like, there's a story here. Um... And it's just, it's a very different vibe. And Aunt Lydia said something to June, like, basically, like, hey, don't show your fucking ass here, because unlike back home in stupid Boston, there are consequences. And maybe that's why I like this episode so much, because they really took the note of make Gilead scary again. So I, like, yes, but then I feel like if you poke it, it crumbles. But we'll get to that. Because there's so many, there's amazing, brilliant shocks in this episode. Yeah. There's really amazing character development. Yeah. I will, I will get into that later. Okay. okay, But like I did, I, again, I enjoyed watching this episode. Okay. I am just a science fiction nerd (laughs) and that is just one of the many services that I provide on this podcast. There you go. There you go. The next shot is sort of, they have a little spot on the platform where you're supposed to stand. Well, it's like where you leave your, um, like your, you know, like your, uh, Ford go bike, you know, you just park your handmaid and then you come back. Yeah. And then they pick them up at night if you don't. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But another beautiful, overhead shot that could be like an iris sort of imagery it also looks like a blot of blood uh on the floor which is neat 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 um which is uh me getting my period most of (laughs) at this late date i'm so bad at it still it's just like oh shit again i mean what Another shout out to Jim Egan. We posted a, a period meme on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash red all over. And all of the women who are our, our fans were like, yes, yes, so relatable. And Jim just goes, huh, you know, that's not an experience I have. <laughs> you know what? Good job, bud. That's how you be say, a man I on the like internet. I, like, I love our male fans. They've been giving us a lot of their male dollars, which I really appreciate. Ooh, that's But also, like, it's just, I think it's really cool that men get something out of this podcast. Yeah. Because I feel like women are so conditioned to consume media slash everything that is meant for men. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. do our own, like, internal calculus of, like, how do I relate to this? Oh, and, man. like, developing empathy. So, totally. like, I really appreciate seeing men kind of inverting that lens. I love that. So shout out to the male redheads. This is the last one you'll get. <laughs> uh, 
So then, speaking of male allies, lol, <laughs> the commander and SJ come to pick her up from the charging station. We need to talk about Serena's boots. Oof. Did you see no, them? No, I they did not. They were fabulous. Lovely. Like, boot watch continues. <laughs> Such great boots. <laughs> so lovely to see that Natalie Bronfman is also a great Bootist. <laughs> Yes, I'm a practicing Buddhist. I'm I go to the so, Buddhist temple. So sorry to our Buddhist listeners. Uh, the podcast is now over. Um, we're going to go meditate on Molly's many sins. Hell yeah. <laughs> so um, the commander comes over and tells the aunt who is supervising and has given June a pillow to kneel on, mm-hmm. which looks like it would not do that much. Like, this is a hard ass floor. Mm-hmm. But he's like, oh, you know, this is our handmaid. I'm like, shouldn't you have like a like an like tracker for her? Like, what's the point of those things on their ears you know and they have arrived either on a different train or by some other mode of transportation rita's with them i was excited Um, i was so excited you know we love a brugel we love a brugel and he oh my god he says that they're in washington as a guest of high commander winslow hold your excitement and then like he said god i just fucking hate him so much and he says uh and we're off like a herd of dusty turtles yeah. which is not a thing i have ever heard anyone say I meant to look that up too hold on i have literally never heard this you have never heard of dusty turtles it no wow weird are you what uh, no. is this a thing no i'm check uh, oh let my me check. god i'm like molly how have i missed out on this apparently extremely important idiom <laughs> let me check cool. never mind uh it's not a thing it's a dadism <laughs> so yeah i mean in that regard like the fact that i fucking hate fred this is a great line as a yeah. person who loves language boo <laughs> yeah drink because it's another beautiful overhead shot of all the different escalators well and i think that he has said something about like oh the whole household is back together again <laughs> Woo! two and shots we, for you and we get everybody goes on a different escalator so tensions are that, high i thought that was funny too so, like serena's on a different escalator fred's on one and then june and rita are standing together trying to talk they're and it's the- so cute because they're like i missed you i missed you too i'm like yes except for if i was rita i would be way madder yeah i would too but uh, they are talking about like serena trying to get nicole back and mm-hmm. rita says that you know, having a baby was the only thing Serena ever wanted. I'm not totally sure that's true. I think since the formation I of mean, Gilead. I mean, since the formation of Gilead, yes. But it's like she had this, like, whole career. Well, yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We are outside the palatial Winslow mansion. Looks great. Looks great. But I think, was it Serena who said we should have stayed in a hotel? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also a little flowers in the attic, so... Yeah. Like, fair play. <laughs> they go inside. Another gorgeous shot. Not an overhead shot, but just a lovely shot. Foreground. Birds in a cage. Run. Run Zoom away. out. Oh, what is this? Faint cage bars in front of the water birds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be-do, 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 but also, be-do. just on a personal level, if somebody you know has pet birds, you don't need that in your life. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm... Okay. Uh, no, I just... I'm anti-pet birds. Yeah. So. Listen, I dislike birds. Mm-hmm. I followed one cockatoo on Instagram, though, <laughs> who I am very invested in. So, we get that caged, sort of trapped uh, visual metaphor. At what point did you realize who was about to walk in? Not until he came in. I realized when they got to the house, I was like, this is him! 
it. I am. We never even came up with a name for it. Because Maloney Watch ended today. I Mama was Jamas. so excited. Me too. June's Oof. disrespectful ass is wearing that nasty ass sweatshirt again. I love how they call her out on yeah. it later in the episode. Yeah. Um, my first note was Chris Maloney is a snack in a half. I, oh my God. He just, oh, like a fine wine that Lord. I can't drink anymore. He is getting better with age. Speaking of wine, we'll post this when the episode comes out. My One of my favorite pictures in this entire world is Chris Maloney on his deck doing the splits and drinking a glass of red wine. What a perfect angel. It's a sainted image. Well, and you know, they won't be able to show him without sleeves on because that crucifix tattoo he has is real oh that's his tattoo interesting isn't that cool oh god as a catholic with very complicated feelings about everything sploosh he is beefy he is thick he is daddy oh my god his voice has a wonderful timber Oh, gosh. Oh. Give it to me. So then, so there's, you know, the sort of like weird pleasantries. And we know that it's more strict in D.C. So I was not expecting any of what happens in this scene oh. to happen. Because, like, you know, we get sort of, uh, you know, a slightly warmer interaction between him and Fred. It feels kind of weird between him and Serena. Yeah. But then a little girl runs in. And she's all in pink and she's wearing a little cap. I feel like when we have seen the little girls in Boston, they have not always had to have their heads covered. Right, but right. that is what is happening in D.C. Oh. And so she runs in and she's like, Daddy, I'm going to bed and like doing all that shit. Which like, is oh. exactly what I would say to yeah. Chris Maloney. <laughs> Let me be real, real. I'd say it with a different tone, but I'd say the same thing. <sighs> anyway, I have truly sinned today. <laughs> I am going to light a candle for Thank you later. You. Uh, so we're but like, it whoa, breaks the like tension have, a lot. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, they have a kid. They a have kid. five kids. I believe it's six. I thought so too. But Rita said they have like five. And then they showed a photo. Hang on. There were three boys, two girls, and the baby. So that is six. Sorry. Uh, math, not my strong suit. I got to say, maybe the reason I like this episode so much is because they are constantly serving me sound of music realness. <laughs> <laughs> always you got a bunch of kids you got a dad that seems strict but is actually not I, you got people meeting in gazebos like mm, 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 i called mm. it cheaper by the dozen gilead edition <laughs> Hella just kids. a tornado of children Boom. runs in Oof. elizabeth reaser comes in as his wife which we knew from the press releases was gonna yeah, happen yeah. and she is she's just like handing serena a baby and trying to corral you get a all baby kids. you get a baby and you get a baby it is wild and everybody's eyebrows shoot up because they're like, where did you get all these kids? So, and so, then they say one of the most fraught, horrible, scary lines in this episode is Serena. I don't know what she means, what she means by this question, but she goes, are they all yours? And Risa goes, of course they are. Who else's would they be? And they're very, I think the, the, um, Casting is very deliberate on this because there are a lot of brown kids yeah. in that. No, mix. and I mean it's not. I mean they they have to be kids who were rehomed. Some of them, at least, yeah. Because oh, I see. Just because Gilead's not old enough, that makes sense for the ages of some of these kids. Sure, sure. So sure. these are Especially kids the baby. like Hannah who've been taken from right, their right, families right, right, right. and assigned to them. Now the baby presumably is the child of their handmaid, which. Hold my non-alcoholic beer because we're going to get there in a second. So Elizabeth Reeser says 
to their Martha, whose name escapes me. Tamara. Tamara to get I thought she was saying to get the kids settled, but she meant Rita and Jean. That's what I thought too. And they still call her off Joseph, and I really just like I have weird feelings about her being with them but not being their handmaid. It's dumb. <laughs> I also have a lot of issues with them using the handmaids in this in this like gambit to get Nicole back, but we'll talk about that when we get yeah, into yeah, more yeah. of the promo. Okay. So they go up this super twisty, scary staircase. One very cute sort of bit of blocking here is that as the Martha is leading him up, she has to pause for a second because there's like a shoe or something on yeah. the staircase. Oh, I missed that. That's cute. It's really cute. Or, or a toy or something just to show, hey, we got a bunch of kids here. Mm-hmm. So June is struck kind of odd that they still have a handmaid. And Rita says privileges of rank. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if him being high commander means he's the commander. It's very of like, the world. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> um, Molly Sanchez. <laughs> when you say the commander, you mean like the president? Like, yeah. Or like, you know, because the terminology they use is fairly reminiscent of like the Ku Klux Klan as well. I was well. going to say the same oh, thing. Like Grand High Wizard. Yikes, P bikes. Yeah. <laughs> Very scary. Um, how can an organization with such dumb names be so terrifying? <laughs> Homicide. That's how. Hey. So they are going up the stairs and then, you know, they separate. And because Tamara says, oh, you'll be in here with of George. Yeah. So we know that Maloney's first name is George. Yep. June goes in uh-huh. and like sits on the bed. Speaking of beds, the next shot is Serena in her bedroom, which is separate from Fred's. And again, this season, I I shit you not, they must have had a post-it note in the edit bay that said, put Serena in a mirror in every episode, because every <laughs> single episode they're framing her that way. And I think, you know, if I'm going to get real, like, analyze on this, I think it's that, you know, she's always reflected in something. It, refle- it connotes, like, duality of her personality. Mm-hmm. It connotes, like, people are trying to put her especially in this one when she's talking to fred she's perfectly in this almost picture frame of a mirror it's Mm -hmm. like people are trying to put her in these boxes always well also she's being forced to look at herself and her choices Ah, very gorgeous yeah and something else i want to tie in that i just kind of wrote as a general note because we've been talking so much about this like june is fire serena is water this Mm. is super this is super duh water quenches fire molly Ooh, well we didn't bring it up, so don't. <laughs> no, I know. Um, That's cool. That's yeah, great. So, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm curious about this. The other thing I thought was really interesting is that they've gone out of their way to shoot all of these scenes at the Winslow Mance. Their entire home is done very Greek revival. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of architectural flourishes mm-hmm. that are very Greek. The relief above Serena's bed in this scene is Ooh, of deer. Yeah. Deer are the symbol of the goddess Artemis or Diana. What's notable about her, she is the goddess of the moon um, and like fertility. She also pretty much just like eschews the company of men and only hangs out with women. Yeah. So I think it's interesting to like be juxtaposing like Serena has very clearly decided with like the male overlords of Gilead, but she's still in this room that is suggesting a much more like feminine mm-hmm. alignment. That's interesting. So, I mean, I don't know how much I, to read into that. If anything, they might've just been like, Oh, this is cool. It's interesting. It's hard to, it's hard to know which details are purposeful and which are just pretty. It's and, interesting. and Fred, Fred is 
you know, sort of explaining, you know, what he's planning to do. And he is also very confident about like that he'll be really good at this. And we don't really have a sense of what Fred did before. I mean, it seems like he worked in media. So I don't know if it's that he was like Serena's manager and like handled all of her video. That's really hot. Um, I don't think so, but that, that sounds really cool. No, I don't want to work with anybody that I'm sleeping with. (laughs) I'm just, I'm curious. Cause you know, we, it's not so much that I want Fred to be humanized, but I have a lot of questions about who he is and why he is the way he is. Yeah. And, like, in general, I'm in favor of two-dimensional male portrayals because I'm very vengeful. Um, and I feel like we deserve restitution. But on the other hand, it's like, I don't fully understand why Fred is the way he is. I agree. We've known before that he's very motivated by, like, status and being promoted. And we mm-hmm. see that on display this episode. Yeah. He also has brought Serena her wedding band, which she has not been wearing. Yeah. I can only think that that's really going to irritate your stump. Yeah. Yeah. And the shot of Serena's hand is used several times mm-hmm. this episode to sort of make a point. This scene closes with another great transition uh, with Serena looking at Hickel's baby feet that they gave her from mm-hmm. Canada. And then it transitions to Offred doing that thing, which I'm sure we all like to do, which is you make the baby foot stamp on the window. I miss that. It's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which fun. You, you guys know it. I'm not going to verbally describe how to do that, but <laughs> make a fist, push it on a window. Perfect. But done. not too hard. Not Don't push your fist through the window. So that was a neat transition. I- I do want to give a shout out to this moody piano that's playing moody under this scene. Piano. They've used this motif before and I want to find this piece of music because I think it's so beautiful and it's used to really great effect <laughs> in this scene where of George comes in <laughs> and so we've seen that they're wearing the, what did you call them? The silence dickies? Uh, or the, thank you for asking. The oppression dickie. The oppression dickie. Of George comes in and she's wearing the oppression dickie and June, like, June keeps trying to talk to her. And this was, like, so awkward for me. I was like, June, like, respect her boundaries. Like, she doesn't want to talk to you. Uh, but then, of George removes her oppression dickie. And we see that her lips have been like wired shut. Binder clipped they together. Call them, they call them rings later. And yeah. it is a recreation of one of my favorite Handmaid's Tale book covers. Yeah. Um, it is. It shocked me. I was expecting something, but also there were so many of them wearing those. I was like, I guess it's just like be silent. Some of the Marthas even have them. So it's not 100% clear if everybody... I don't think everybody wearing an oppression dickie has that. (laughs) But it is. it was chilling. Oh, God, it was so good. It's so good. I haven't had a good scare from this show in a long time. June doesn't really know how to react And one thing, I think, I don't know if we've talked about this, but like thinking about like disability in the world of The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. And I'm especially curious if redheads who are disabled have thoughts on this because so much of Gilead's punishment is meted out to remove people's limbs and things like that. And it's just, it's kind of, but it's also kind of weird, like at least, especially in the Bay Area, it's like, oh, it's like, are we being like excessive with this imagery because it's like if you're somebody who is missing a limb if you're somebody who you know has some sort of issue with their mouth like what does that send as a message and it's like i 
I don't know. You know, obviously that's not like my lived experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would be interested. But it just, know. it feels like a lot. Like, it feels like they do this a lot. And I, I think they've done it less this season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this was really powerful. Yeah, there's there's far fewer body scares this season. And this was, I think, our first good one. Yeah, and I mean, and this is something where like, this is not, this is not a disability right. that's usually naturally occurring. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can be born without limbs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can be born without the ability to hear or speak. You can't be born with binder rings yeah. in your mouth. I don't think. I hope not. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, that's interesting. So, you know, redheads from the disability community, please let us know. That was so scary. I loved it. Then this next scene, this next scene was the the cinematographers for this scene were probably pissed when they saw the final episode of Game of Thrones. I just wrote, it's a big year for wingspan shots. <laughs> and the people who made that Instagram wall in LA were like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we get a lot of shots of June, Fred, everybody standing with the wings extended behind them, real angels in America, like, yeah. Which looks great. I'm not going to say it doesn't know. look it great. Looks it great. looks neat. They're shooting a video. This seems like it's like a like a promo, like a teaser yeah. for the big pravaganza the following day. Yeah. How funny would it be if they're like, oh, you know what Fred's job was pre-Gilead? He was Logan Paul's camera guy. <laughs> That's oh where God. he's like, this guy's got a lot of good ideas. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, so sort of the um, arrangement is Fred, Serena june in the center of this circle of oppression dickied handmaids and then nick comes in with his eyebrows i think just before that yeah we have seen aunt lydia pull down an oppression (gasps) yeah and see and oh my god this is some of the best face acting Mm -hmm. i have ever seen no disrespect to emos no because it's a very 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 quick shot but you see the horror and aunt lydia can't say anything she can't do anything she's not a rock the boat type person but she is shook well i want to talk about when we get to it why this bothers her we can talk yeah, about yeah, this yeah. no there's there's a better time to talk about okay. this so you're right great face acting great reaction such a cool small moment nick comes in like i said eyebrows first he kind of has this rigmarole with the commander about why aren't you at the front? Oh, I'm going tomorrow. And then he's so hot. I just, I'm like, I'm steaming over here. I'm over it. (laughs) Girl, you know, I love an eyebrow. I know. Listen, so do I. I love Serena's eyebrows. That's look, I, Oh, I would mm. shout out to the one eyebrow handmaid in Gilead. (laughs) Who's doing everybody's brows. She's like before Gilead. I, I threaded, I threaded. (laughs) And in Gilead, I thread. Sometimes I sugar. I do. I do do some sugaring and I some just, gel. You know, I was an esthetician. So. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's actually doing very well for herself. Yeah, real cottage industry and hair removal. I would love it. So then Fred says a very funny fraught line here, where he goes, "Would you mind standing in for me?" Pause for the shot. I mean, which is like, does, does he know? I don't know what. Fred knows. He is acting weird this episode He is towards acting Nick. weird. And I'm like, but you weren't acting weird before. I mean, and he knows that he's the dad of the kid, right? At this yeah, point. Yeah, she said she that. She said that to him. So it's like, what the fuck are any of you doing? I know. But anyway, he stands in. Oh, my God. I will say I did think this was a cute line. 
What's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? I missed that. Are you kidding Sorry. me, Kelly Anakin? Uh, I was busy jerking it. <laughs> I thought that was a very cute line because that's um that's a Casablanca line. No, no, I think you're thinking of of all the gin joints in all the yeah. world. She had to walk into mine. Oh well, I mean that's just that's just like a just a hack classic flirting <laughs> i love that i think that's very cute and they do a clandestine hand rub i love it i missed that as well because i was doing a Girl. clandestine self-rub <laughs> you, re- <laughs> you missed a lot of cute parts shout um, out to whoever left us that negative itunes review about self-love we masturbate deal with it <laughs> fred says very awkwardly thank you son and he gets out of the shot just, uh, um just Pro tip for, I don't know who needs to hear this. Don't call people who aren't your son, son. Call me son. One more time. Exactly. Nobody enjoys that. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy it when people call me son. Aw. Okay, son. (laughs) See how fun that was? Uh, (laughs) For you. I felt very uncomfortable. Well, I'm going to make you keep doing it just so you get comfortable. This scene closes with a close-up of Serena's wedding ring next to her gloveless finger. (laughs) I think of that phrase at least seven <laughs> times a week. Very I'm just walking to the train and I'm like, gloveless finger, gloveless <laughs> finger, gloveless finger. Um, the next scene takes place in the Winslow House rumpus room. Oh, um, Rita's such a good auntie. Oh, I know. <laughs> Rita. Oh, my God. And it's just like, ah, uh, more Bruegel. How many times do we have to say it? Just more Bruegel in everything. She's hey, so cute. Are you a member of like some production <laughs> company? Hire Amanda Bruegel. She's working pretty briskly. Uh, she can play anything. Just so, put some rocks in her shoes. Yeah. So she's playing with the BBs. Serena's sitting at a comically small table. <laughs> <laughs> and there are little kids popping around all over. Uh, June comes and sits next to her and tries to have one of the several desperate conversations mm-hmm. in this episode trying to get Serena back on the quote-unquote good side. Um, and Serena mentions, kind of says really strongly, like, seeing Hicole changed everything. So it's like, we were, wow, wonder who could have predicted that? Literally everyone. I really teared up when she goes, like, our girl deserves better. Mm-hmm. I think that's sweet, and that's yeah. true. And yeah. Serena don't care. And you know what? I get how serena's perspective is warped when she sees all these cute happy babies oh yeah like as soon as all those kids came in i was like well she's gone yeah i'm like june why are you even bothering talking with her <laughs> we lost her about this uh, too many happy kids and what i was hoping would happen this episode even though i'm loath to have an actor kid get mistreated i was hoping there would be one episode where like one of the kids came in and was like, daddy, daddy, daddy. He's like, shut up. Like, <laughs> he really hauled off and yelled at them to just show like, this is not a fun time. No, I mean, we have uniformly been shown that everybody in Gilead is real good parents. <laughs> like, you know, like, like I yeah. said a couple episodes ago, like Gilead seems to be working. I guess the worst is like the Putnam's like shaking the baby a little bit. But Oh, yeah. Oh, I hate them. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm sorry. Everybody with like older children seems to be doing great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, scary. It really reminds me of those pictures that we see of like Hitler holding a little girl's hand and yeah. like yeah. a puppy. It's like, oh no. So the the images have been released of that day's wingspan shot. Mm-hmm. Um apparently the comparison to the Game of Thrones finale did not hinder this in any way. Mm-hmm. So the Swiss 
have been engaged by Canada mm-hmm. to come and act as a neutral party. Get it? Uh, <laughs> so they want to question the household altogether. And I wrote here, and they do do this eventually, but I'm like, shouldn't the Swiss question them individually? Like, yeah. it's absolutely no good well, to they, question they them do. all together. So, well, yeah. This scene is so, like, you know how that scene from Bohemian Rhapsody was making the rounds on Twitter where they, like, switch camera angles every second? Um, no, because I don't engage with media that straight washes people. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, you didn't watch... You didn't engage in this one-second clip on Twitter? No. Okay. Any hoozle. On this, what? On the Twitter. <laughs> Dad, it's called Twitter. <laughs> oh, the tweets? Yeah. But this reminded me of that in that they are really saying the household. They want all of the household? They want the household? The yeah. household? The household? It's like, it's come very on. like the prince is giving a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Or I guess the Swiss are giving a bowl. The Swiss are giving a festival. <gasps> a um, festival. So, yeah. So, uh, so then Serena Joyce says, I have thrown this pot of lentils <laughs> into the ashes for you. <laughs> a reference to into the woods in case anybody there was uh, one person that. who said they wanted us to say which musicals we were referencing and which ones we were making up that's one oh that we didn't wow i guess you know actually it didn't occur to me also before that i was referencing the rogers and hammerstein cinderella so we're all up to speed all righty <laughs> fred says what we're all thinking which is please put on a clean dress and quit <laughs> screwing I, around with that sweatshirt i have literally never agreed with fred yeah I agree with him on this. Yep. The next shot is the government building. Which I assume is a building that we should know as American citizens, but uh, we live on the West Coast. Listen, the last time I was in D.C., I was on my eighth grade uh, field trip and I was trying to get fingered. So, no, I don't know what any Ooh. of these buildings are. It didn't happen. What a what a little Abigail Adams. <laughs> you were like, fellas, remember the lady. <laughs> oh man what a simpler time you're a really cute person thank you so uh the, we see sort of the insignia of gilead which is this dove against a red eye it's creepy yeah like it is not a cute look not cute but very creepy so good job i guess i don't know what their measure of success is for graphic design <laughs> then the next shot is that one pixar short from wreck it ralph with like the umbrellas trying to fuck because it's <gasps> the it's there's a there's a like i said a pixar short oh my in front of wreck it ralph that's about sentient umbrellas we don't have time for this um (laughs) but it's one red umbrella in the sea of black very beautiful cinematography oh i got so excited when the swiss come in and they do exactly what you said they said we'd like to speak to of joseph alone i was Mm -hmm. like beep boop beep boop yeah this is gonna be great oh my god i was really excited So serena very subtly <laughs> walks over and sits on the couch next to jude and says don't be stupid and i'm like did you see the season two finale she's gonna be stupid i wrote be stupid be stupid be stupid <sighs> she does be stupid but oh, in a very stupid, stupid way <laughs> like this is stupid you know how they say girls go to Jupiter to get more stupider? Ooh. I think that's where off Joseph spent a little time. She sure did. So this was a little confusing to me when she goes into the room. Another, gotta shout it out, very cool shot under the glass table. Mm-hmm. I had trouble figuring out who they made leave the room because uh, I thought it was Guardians, but one of them was a woman. Okay, my feeling is that they were monitors. Okay. Maybe for Canada. 
But that really doesn't make sense. I don't look. It was a wonky thing. It was to wonky. Do, especially because one of them was so obviously a woman. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was very unclear who they were and what they were supposed to be. Like, they were people she didn't want having a record of what she said, but like, also the room is made of glass. Yeah. So weird. I really love, though, and this is why I love the Smart Power episode, is I love all of the interfaces between Gilead and quote unquote the rest of the world. I think they're very scary and interesting and weird. And so, like, it's such a tangible, like, lifeline, but in this one, like a really dud lifeline. Well, then perhaps you can explain to me my primary question. Sure. How is Gilead powerful? They have the most guns and ships, I think, is what they are alluding to. Why do you know that? Uh, Because they said in this episode they have immense military power. Okay. And because remember when we looked at that map, they have really strategic military locations. So they do. But most of the country is a wasteland. Yeah, but who cares? Uh, other Like, what are they exporting? What are they importing? What is their value to the rest of the world? I think it's just more of they have shown that they have the power to wipe out huge swaths of people. If that's true, why haven't we talked about it before now? I, I feel like... They have. They are always talking about the military might of Gilead. And They're you can, only talking they don't need about, to talk it about it in the context it, of getting the rebels out of the country. Mm. So that is a civil problem. Okay. Where have they demonstrated their military power outside of the borders of Gilead? Don't you think that it is enough that it went from this country that was, you know, not at war with each other to now the most power they've wiped out so much of their own country and they have these really concentrated nexes of huge and huge power that has shown its prowess at like wiping shit out if that's true mm-hmm. this is not what would be happening okay what would be happening is that the other world powers would be talking to each other about a surgical strike to take high commander winslow out and replace How do we them know they're not we don't know that, but we also don't know anything that you just said for sure. I suppose not. I really am so angry that they have wasted so many opportunities to build out the real politic of this show. And that's a valid because, criticism. Because, again, all they would have had to do is have the Swiss be like, well, you know, you're exporting handmaids and, you know, you have fertile women and that's a valuable resource. We have heard some things like the internal... Gilead world building I have issues with as well but it's like we know Canada is hostile to Gilead we also know that the possibility of military engagement with Canada is much more plausible than like with anybody else in the world but it's just like okay but if Canada well I guess they don't necessarily we just heard that one gay guy be mad um at Serena and Fred because it's like they like they engage like they're going with the diplomatic rules of engagement was their whole army (laughs) That's why they're shaken. They're a little worried. They're like, Bill, you're a very smart speaker, yeah. but we, we can't just we put you out much. there, Bill. No, I just, I am so frustrated <laughs> that we are being told how important Gilead is internationally and globally. Yeah, that's and I have no concept of what they are doing economically, yeah. what they are doing, like, is is Gilead spreading? I definitely you know? do want to know like, you're right. I, You know, like, is it like communism? Where they are trying to install, you know, a similar ethos in other countries. Like, how are other countries dealing with a fertility crisis? Why do they accept what is happening? Yeah. It's not out of the question, obviously, 
many, many countries throughout the world, throughout history, have ignored egregious human rights sure. violations. They're ignoring the egregious human rights violations happening at the U.S. border yeah. right now. Yeah. But we're not getting any of that information. You're right. And it's sort of like, why have more seasons if you're not going to do that kind of hard work? Well, and and I won't go into details. We'll get into it later. But it's like when they say they can't do business with Nick Blaine, I don't understand why they can do business with Fred Waterford. Truly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's I such horse that. shit. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree. I think those are valid points. The other understanding that I've got, like, their hold on the North American continent is tenuous. Yeah. They still have active fighting going on. Oh, in Chicago? So, like, you're not in a good position to be negotiating on the international level, period, because you haven't demonstrated that you can create a stable state. Yeah, totally. So it's like, why the fuck are the Swiss even here? It's a good question. Like, why isn't Canada just being like, hey, call off your battle in Chicago or kick rocks? Yeah, no, that's a well, very... Like, uh, well, since we don't have TV, that's what we do on Saturdays. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, thank you. Um, I've got more of these lined up. <laughs> Excellent. I'm excited. <laughs> this scene ends with sort of the deal, like, I'll bring you Nick if you can promise me that Hakol will be safe. And they say, we can't promise you that. And she's like, I need you to promise me that. And they're like, okay, fine. But I'm like, you're so stupid. Another you're instance... You're so stupid. Yeah, another instance of the Ron Howard voice going... They couldn't promise that. <laughs> yeah. No, but I do love when they're like, well, you know, how are you going to convince him? And she's like, I'll persuade him she- with my sexuality. <laughs> you can't see in the shot, but she's doing like the jerk off motion. Um, speaking no, but of- I'm like, this is such a flimsy thing. Yeah. And it's like, June thinks she's such hot shit. Yeah. And June is like a crusty ass 1970s white dog poop. Wow. Like, <laughs> What a visual. God, like, say, you know, again, she's in a position here to get herself out of Gilead. Yeah. And they're like, we want information. And it's like, just giving them Nick Blaine, fucking give them somebody else, too. Like, you know well, enough people. Does she? Well, does she, she knows know all these Martha. She could get somebody decent. Yeah. Who maybe isn't all pussy drunk on her ass. <laughs> Look, you can't rely on a lover or ex-lover to do anything for you. Trust no bitch. Exactly. So the first and genuinely only corny music cue of this episode is Every Day by Buddy Holly. Uh, whatever. I I just left my body. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. I don't like it. I don't Uh, like it either. But what I do like. We're going backwards. In terms of quality. In terms of time. (laughs) In terms of music and time. Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, what I do like, uh, speaking of backwards, is I love seeing Chris Maloney bent over a pool table. Oh, homeboy's got some cakes. Some what? Cakes. Okay. <laughs> I thought you said Yeah, no, 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 no. Why don't you just say that again? Homeboy's got some cakes. Is that what we're calling butts now? Cakes, yeah. Like cupcakes? No, baby. Or just cakes. He's a layer cake. Oh, damn. Oh, baby. He's a sweet Jill's cake. Is that the... No. He's a Susie cake. Okay. <laughs> He's expensive as shit. I've always mm. thought of my butt as more of a brioche. Whoa. Yes. Anyway. Or a morning bun. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, light objectification of Chris Maloney's butt. I would hate to hear what heavy objectification sounds like no. from you. It's just sounds. It's just guttural <laughs> sounds. Any hoozle. So they're playing billiards as men are wont to do. Was, um... Am I colorblind or were all the balls red and black? I think this is snooker. Oh, that's a billiard. I barely game. know her. <laughs> um, everything I know about snooker comes from uh, that Mitchell and Webb look. So I can't really help you. All right. uh, I'm absolutely certain there's a redhead who can fill us in on this. I also wouldn't put it past this commander to be like, no, no, no. I'm really committed. I need only red and black balls yeah. for the aesthetics well, of it. He's clearly very impressed with branding in general because he clicks subscribe <laughs> on Fred's YouTube channel. Oh, girl, I have to say I was here for that quasi homoerotic back rubbing of oh, two and men also the, networking. The quasi homoerotic uh, symbolism of Fred chalking his cue for far Woo! too long into it. And also, you know what? Genuinely, Fred good snooker shot good snooker shot but also uh fred is just as stupid as june sure because oh, yeah we know this you is know known. commander winslow is giving you a very pie crust promise here mm. and fred is such a sweaty climber <laughs> i was just like fred could you not have a boner right now like it's <laughs> awkward you yeah, know those I are agree. only for procreation in gilead <laughs> not for networking <laughs> <laughs> So then the BB comes in and I gotta say, I think it's my specific kink of like <laughs> men who are like the, strong, like, but also like, very silly with children. Yeah. Just like good fathers. <laughs> Is that what that's called? Yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Um, nice. You know, decent. Not mean. Oh, the bar is so low. Kind. The bar oh. is so, so low. They get dragged literally into a tea party. Real cute. I fall for this when... Uh, they are in the rumpus room and Reeser comes and talks to Serena Joy once again at that tiny little table. I loved this. Me I would too. watch their entire relationship because she comes over and she says, I know it's taboo, but I loved your book. Oh. She's like, George and I were both working at two different corporate law firms. There was no time for a family. You saved us. And... It is wild. Oh, it's so it good. It is so great. Oh, I love and it. And again, I just so wonder, how do Reeser and Serena Joy square the fact that they're clearly very intelligent, educated, accomplished women with this world they're building? It's just like, how do you have, like, what is the next generation of wives even going to have to talk about? Or like... I, I they're going to be Edens. I would love to hear again more of a scene of the wives like, oh, like, I'm so happy that my daughter won't have to read a book. Like, <laughs> she's like, my daughter will never be plagued by infinite jest. <laughs> mm, I'm going to reread that. I know you now that I'm that. sober. Oh, it's going to be hard. This is the part that I, I said a little too early, but I like I very much like the commander doing the lion voice. I hated that so much. <laughs> And I loved it when the tiny bitch came up and was like, hey, that's mine. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it is. Get that lion back, you tiny bitch. But I like how it worked on Serena. Like Serena's, oh, Serena was looking at Fred playing with the babies and she's like, there's something sweet and almost kind, but he was mean and he was rapey and unrefined, but now he's dear. And so I'm sure. Let's keep raping people and have Gilly add some more. 
That was Molly's riff on the song Something There from Beauty and the Beast, 1993. Uh, For your Tony consideration. By uh, Mankin and uh, Ashman. Yeah. Yeah. R.A.P. Beautiful. Thank you for letting that go on as long as it did. You know, I was like, (laughs) she's going somewhere. I don't know if I want to go as well, but, uh, you know, it's important to keep an open mind. Appreciate the support, BB. So the next scene is, uh uh-oh, June sleeping and... There's a telegram for her outside. See, again, here's a Martha (laughs) who is like not got the stones to be like, no, you fucking asshole. I'm not going to carry an illicit message to this woman whose mouth hasn't been wired shut yet. (laughs) Yeah. So they go outside. It's Nick and they do a whole I'm 16 going on 17. It's pretty clear from the ambiance in D.C. Running around with your head uncovered is a great way to get your mouth wired shut, June. Yeah, dude. Just putting it out there. Plus, it's chilly. <laughs> also, did Nick think that they were going to bang it out right there? Because he starts engaging in some foreplay-esque neck kissing. No, like, I know. I was also like, I was excited, but I was also like, dude. Babe, it's cold. It's when, you know, it's always winter in Gilead. <laughs> what the heck? Jesus, you don't, what, do you, are you staying above the garage here also? Did you import your vinyl for safekeeping while you're in the war Girl, where you're, you're definitely know, about to be killed? You know he did. I love how June sometimes makes out with a purpose. Yes. <laughs> like you can, it's so obvious that she's like, baby will you please do something for me yeah and so she's like this made me so angry this made me so angry at her when she's like this is your one chance to be a father to your daughter this bitch has zero standing to be lecturing anybody i know on chances to do anything i know this i know oh my god like oh you mean like how you could have had a chance to be a mother to your child Mm. every single day and Mm. have had a much stronger negotiating Mm. position to keep your daughter out of gilead Mm. 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 oh Mm. i was so angry and i really appreciated it when nick was like um yeah i'm not gonna do that for you because you didn't come to my battle advance (laughs) i knew you were gonna say that we lost by one vote we lost by one vote by one vote i told everyone my girlfriend was gonna be there and then you didn't show up it made me look like an idiot in front of bumper that's another guy in his band <laughs> burley was mad at me oh i love burley we have the same birthday oh. and so she kind of convinces him to do it well i didn't believe he was gonna do it for a second me neither i was like okay i was like june this is some weak sauce negotiation yeah at least engage a hand job before no, you I was request like, at least anything blow the dude yeah, like that please. keeps most people's parts covered your mouth is still open for a reason baby Mm. anyway back at the winslow house the swiss lady is there and i like this because it's so jarring to see women in pants in gilead so that was interesting well and it's this is also kind of a callback to the episode with the mexican ambassador Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and again june is just apparently allowed to wander around and talk to anybody in a city where they have implemented oppression dickies. Lord. Okay? Like, good lord. This... Good god, y'all. Um, <laughs> so, she talks to the Swiss lady. Oh, wow. What a surprise. They didn't go through with a deal. Yeah. I'm so shocked. Oh, this solution to everyone's problems didn't go through in episode six of a 13-episode season? What so- a surprise. Wow. So she says the reason it didn't work is because of who Nick is or who he was. And he left for Chicago this morning. Which, like, B. 
sick move, Nick. Yeah. (laughs) She deserved that shit. So, okay. Again, the logic here does not track for me when they're like, we can't do business. I'm like, you know who else was involved in the Crusades? (laughs) Fred Water. Like, he built... He built this city. It doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make any sense that she would come to their house and talk to her without them. Like, given that the sort of, like, deal doesn't go through and they're not willing, like, they don't care about her. And, I mean, that's what that's what Nick says to her, which I think it actually is really interesting in light of what we're about to find out, which mm-hmm. is very clunkily handled. But <laughs> he says, getting into bed with government is a lot harder to get out of than you might think. Oh, I get it now. So it's like, yeah, because it's like, oh, like, remember when he went out for coffee with that nice man? Yeah. And it's like, you know, maybe, you know, we still have no idea, speaking of dudes whose deal we don't know, we don't really know you know, is he a true believer? Yeah. Again, she, part of how she sold him was like, he's an eye. But again, we have had no yeah. indications that he still is one. Like yeah. maybe you could read his engineering her escape, but like that's much more of a mayday situation. Yeah. He's a true believer in that push hack. Nuh-uh, he went to Chicago, boo-boo. <laughs> Bye-bye. He was like, you know what? There's probably some like camp followers that <laughs> I could hang out with at Jezebel's West. So they end the scene by saying, oh, with the, uh, also this this is the first appearance of that gorgeous wife dress with the big <gasps> collar. I loved it. I, I love a structural collar oh, and I cannot wear yeah. them because my titties are too big. I know. I feel I feel your same pain. But they say uh, Nick was a soldier in the crusade, which I assume is like the thinly veiled way to say like he blew up. Conference. I guess it's very <laughs> unclear. I would have loved a little more information on what they because have they ever talked about the crusade before? No. You can't just use, uh, you know, a pronoun without an antecedent, people. There you go. The next scene, I believe, is my favorite scene that this show has ever done. Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Oh, my God. So. It's Aunt Lydia. Well, and June's in her room having finally taken off her nasty ass sweatshirt. (laughs) It reminds me of when I was in Catholic school and we all had, you know, like our sweaters or sweatshirts that were like approved by the dress code and we would just keep wearing the same disgusting blouse underneath it. Yeah. So, you know, respect. June probably did go to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Aunt Lydia comes in with a box and I was like, oh, this must be June's oppression dicky. And um, I can't like, I'm very, I'm like about to get emotional because this was like some of the best work I've ever seen from Ann Dowd. Yeah. And she is just talking about how tired she is and how nice it will be to go home. And the sort of subtext is like, you know, this place, this place is crazy. Like I knew it would be stricter, but this is nuts. And so she comes over with the oppression Dickie for June. And this is one of the best line readings that Emos has given in her entire career. And she is so vulnerable and wounded and she just says do you want us all to be silent and it's so yeah human it's so good. in a way that we have not gotten to see because the show is so obsessed with making her some wheeling dealing <laughs> dumb shit and aunt lydia is crying yeah and she says no i don't want that all right let's unpack this Oof. i don't get why Aunt Lydia wouldn't want that? Um, I think that we have seen her in her own twisted way mm-hmm. attempt to make sure that the handmaid's humanity is protected to a certain degree. That's a good point. I yeah. think we always see her stick up for the handmaids against the commanders. Yeah. I think 
I don't know if it is the result of any kind of sea change. This is, I think, just her running up against, and I think you see this happen a lot to women in restrictive religious culture. She is running up on the natural endpoint of the system that she's given her life to. That's so this is the natural endpoint of freedom from versus freedom mm. to. Ooh, baby, you know I get so excited when you pull a book thesis. I think that the punishments that we have seen them apply at the Rachel and Leah Center in Boston have not been this debilitating Ooh. by and large. Like, I think there may have been... S- have we seen anybody with their tongues cut out? Yeah, like a... Well, I guess not at the Rachel and Lear Center, but wasn't there a Martha that has their tongue cut out? Yes. Anyway, I don't remember who that was, but like coming to like the handmaids, well, the clitoridectomy is catastrophic, but that's not something that she would understand. Right. Um, The eye is very biblical. The eye is very biblical, but it's also like Janine still has an eye. Yeah. And this is You got two. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I mean, you know, it takes away their ability to vocally pray. Oh, interesting. I don't know. I just... Huh. I think fundamentally, Aunt Lydia enjoys talking to the handmaids. Mm. I think there's a perverse pleasure that she gets from them giving her back chat. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense to me. I just, you know, they can no longer make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. You know, Mm. there's just... That's a good point. It's a layer of cruelty that she can't bear. Oh, gosh. I don't know where it leads. I don't know that it's supported by the text, but I loved this scene. I did too. So much. And June goes up to the mirror and asks Aunt Lydia for help putting on her oppression dickie. What I thought was neat about this, there's a lot of great lines in here that can mean multiple things. Mm -hmm. So she goes, they have this moment where they hug and they cry. Yeah. And then June kind of gets up and she goes, can you help me? How horrible that this is how bad DC is (laughs) that Aunt Lydia has become your buddy. Yeah. But can you help me can mean like, can you help me get on this? And then can you help me get into this? And I think it's, it's kind of beautiful that in like any other setting, this could be, you know, a mother putting a necklace on the daughter. This is very, you know, Rose DeWitt Bucator shit going on. But it's like, I love this foley of each really loud click Mm -hmm. on the oppression dickie. Yeah. Oh, it looks and, tight and, and it that's changed. that's a callback because we heard it come off before yeah. when Elf mm-hmm. George came into the room. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so great because going into the next scene, it changes her silhouette so much mm-hmm. that from far away, she just, it's just this weird pinched abstract shape. It's so cool. Hats off to the costume designer. This is a neat bit. The next scene, I love. I hated this scene so much. Oh my God, I loved it so this much. This scene made me so angry. On so many levels. Like, I love it. Why are these bitches allowed to be alone? So dumb. Why are they allowed to but be I alone? I love it. I love My it. My note was, wow, what a great one-act college thesis play. <laughs> it totally is, but I, I'm here for it. So it's at the Lincoln Memorial. And, oh, man, I am misty at the reveal that it's like, oh, Lincoln Memorial, boom, his head is off. I like this choice, but I also have a lot of questions about why they kept the capital in D.C. Clearly are not into America anymore. Right. And it's very strange to me because so much of the religious right is about having a perma boner for the founding fathers and like, you know, yeah. being a, a literal constitutionalist. And I was reading a review of this episode. Well, it was like of this of the six episodes that they had oh, released okay. ahead. And they were talking about 
like the tone deafness of Lincoln Memorial being destroyed, like as a an explicit reference to slavery. But I don't think that's it because I do not think at all that Gilead would equate chattel slavery of African Americans in the U.S. with what they're doing. Yeah, I agree. It's not like they did that to be like, oh, we don't like this reminder that slavery is wrong. I think they didn't like like e pluribus unum. Well, you know, I will tell you what is absent from the Lincoln mm-hmm. Memorial and maybe then we can talk. Yeah, more. absolutely. But I think it, it does seem to me more of like a cinematography choice to have this very, you know, freedom symbol yeah. destroyed. That's you're right. To me, that seems more but of it's like also it's about Lincoln represented like a lot of like secular legal concepts. He was right. a lawyer. And, you know, so to me, it's much more about we reject the idea of like secular equality that's and just fair. like reason. I love that. So as you can see, I think you're supposed to get that they like chucked a bomb at Lincoln's face and it blew up because not only is Lincoln's like neck, shoulders and head off, there's a notable crack in the facade yeah. behind him. And what that says normally in the Lincoln Memorial says in this temple, as in the hearts of the people for whom he saved the union the memory of Abraham Lincoln is enshrined forever. So to take off this thing that says he'll forever be here as a symbol of this freedom and as a mm-hmm. symbol well, of this, this unity. Country, it's gone. Cause it's, it's, yeah. it's very thematic to have that specific thing. Cause he is all of his speeches and stuff are in there mm-hmm. as well. I did remember that from my trip, uh, <laughs> but it's very significant that that particular thing that claims that it'll last yeah. forever is gone. I also, I interpret it as they, Miley Cyrus wrecking balled it. Um, but oh, that would work too. The other thing that is worth considering is that they may be a sect of Christianity that is against quote unquote graven images. Oh, um, that's interesting. So I'm trying to think if we've gotten any indication of, I mean, if they've torn down churches, it's very likely that they're the flavor of Anabaptist that like basically like you can have a cross and that's it. Any other depiction of God or any other person right. in like a venerated position is tantamount to heresy and worshiping but a false idol. This Instagram statue is fine. <laughs> oh, the wings. Yeah. I don't. I got the impression that that. But there's no face. Sure. And they just, didn't destroy Lincoln's body. I'm just being a silly Billy. Okay. Yes, I think that is a good reading of that. I'm like, you've clearly never met somebody who said you were going to hell for looking at a stained glass window. Oh, no. Then they have this sort of fight in the Lincoln Memorial with everybody yelling. I loved it. I know you didn't like it, but I really liked it. I didn't it. like it, but I like. I am glad we're back to a baseline of hate between them. Yeah, and it's so great. I love the exchange. Like, I should have ringed you the moment I met you. Uh-huh. And she goes, I should have let you burn when you had the chance. Yeah, agreed. Ooh, boy. Strong agree. But also, Serena, bitch, you just found out about that. Yeah. She's like, I wish I had known sooner. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I think that's really great. And I love I love that Grinch Offred returns for you will never be free of me, mm-hmm. which is true. I also really appreciate it when she looks and sees um, Abraham Lincoln doing the Arthur Fist meme. Like that was really <laughs> powerful to me. <laughs> I do wonder if there's some deeper meaning and she looks at his left hand. The sinister hand. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there is like eons and eons of national treasure style like meaning we could be unearthing here yeah but like i live in california now who cares (laughs) 
I loved it. I think it's so neat to use this real place in this way. It is so scary, especially with what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. It doesn't hit me that way. Oh, it totally does. I know it's supposed to, but I don't have feelings about places. Oh, I have big place feelings. I don't at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. As if- someone who's wept at Mount Rushmore. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But- I'm like, I can see better pictures of this on the internet. Why are you all <laughs> photographing this? It's pretty cool. Anyway, I liked this. I love this scene. I loved, I just loved it. I think this was really cool. I would like to address my final real issue with this episode. Okay. I do not understand why Fred has made The Handmaids the focal point of this campaign. Because to me, The Handmaids are the most reprehensible part of Gilead. Totally. They are, to an extent, the most emblematic of what differentiates them from other world powers. But to me, I'm like, why don't you show the families and leave the handmaids out of it? Because that is what that's the message you want to send. I know that it's not as compelling a (laughs) a cinematographical Uh, choice. Yeah, it doesn't look as pretty. It doesn't look as pretty. But like, yeah, this is not how statecraft works. Like, don't parade your dirty secret. (sighs) Yeah. In order to get this thing back. If I was going to play commander's advocate here i would say that it is a very powerful representation of we made we have so much power all of these people kneel before us i understand that but that's not what they need from canada yeah i hear you i i agree it makes them look more reprehensible Mm -hmm. than anything so it's like it is a bad decision you aren't engaging june to deliver a testimonial yeah and say i really want they really should be but it's like they really like they should not be highlighting the fact that it isn't their biological child yeah they should really be patty hursting it honestly and june at the forefront absolutely and she's not going to do that so why not rethink your entire campaign i agree i you know what they just need a better creative director Or uh, Olivia, I was, I was honestly, I was like, I'm really excited to hear your take on these things as somebody who works in advertising. Yeah, I would just say, I would just go in a different direction. Yeah. I would just like, just pitch well, a couple of alts and see what happens. Say? What is the cl- <laughs> uh, boy? Is Canada the client? Canada's mm, audience. The client is is the sons of Jacob, and they don't listen to feedback. Um, <laughs> wow, what a novel idea! I think this is spooky. What he says. Because he's quoting this kind of scary idea of quiverful, which you're familiar with this concept, no? I mean, I did cut a joke about the Duggars earlier, so yes. <laughs> Why did you cut it? Um, Because their son is a child molester. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Were we... Free did, ginger! Did we have a pro-Duggar joke? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I just didn't want to make light of it. Okay, that's fair. For those of you who don't know, quiverful is like a super conservative christian movement and it's just kind of to boil it down it's kind of what fred said in this episode it's like your children are these arrows and so you gotta have a bunch because you have a quiver which is the little arrow holder full and so it according to their wikipedia page it's like the movement sees children as blessings from god and it encouraged procreation abstaining from all forms of birth control including natural family planning and sterilization scary mm-hmm. this is just my reality growing up oh, no uh yeah like catholics do natural family planning but birth controls against our religion natural um, family planning is such a nice way to say come on the tits <laughs> how 
dare you? <laughs> uh, actually, natural family planning means you would completely abstain from sex during a woman's fertile period. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, which I'm sure everyone does. <laughs> you can't see my face, but I'm yeah. raising an eyebrow. But I think that's a scary use of um, Well, and shit. you're not supposed to get sterilized unless there is like a severe medical... Like some other reason. And the other thing that that doesn't cover is that the other reason that you have all these kids is so that you can have a homegrown conservative voting block wherever you live. I don't Um, like it. It's a very real thing. And it is part of why we need to redraw the Electoral College because we are privileging a lot of these rural communities Mm -hmm. that have been able to prevent women from being educated. And this is what I think is important to remember about Gilead as well in light of June's comments in the last episode about like watching men mm-hmm. and manipulating them. But it's like the thing about these kinds of patriarchal religions is that it cuts women off from any other joy yeah. than the approval of men and the oh. grace and good favor of men. Wow. That's a lovely way to say that. And so my, that's sort of my question for the Serena's and Elizabeth Reasers, whose name I don't even know. Like, does she have a character name? Who cares? So Esme, um, <laughs> you know, they, they have made this conscious decision that they want to live in a world where that's, the pinnacle for them, mm. the pinnacle for them is for one man to worship them, except not because, you know, false idols. But like, what is it about that that made you want to turn your back on a successful corporate law career? And pants. And pants. And books. And just so many things. And the real housewives <laughs> of the OC. I just, I, I... I wish that we spent more time on the why. Yeah. Because this is, to me, the sort of... It's not that it's a danger, but it's just like, okay, it's very easy for people on the left to be like, ew, gross, what? These are real people. Yeah. They believe that there are eternal consequences for not living this way. They believe that if they use birth control, they are going to hell. Mm -hmm. But and then at the same time, it's like, okay, but these are like accomplished people and intelligent people. And there are people who live with this sort of cognitive dissonance every day. It's like you're very educated, but you are extremely religious and conservative. And it's hard to get that sort of representation when, you know, the people writing and making shows are largely liberal, are largely like Mm -hmm. people who don't have that lived experience. Well, I mean, and it's challenging because I agree with you, but at the same time, part of what conservatism is, is guarding against empathy. And I don't Mm. even mean that as a value judgment. Right. If you start thinking that your way is not the right way Mm -hmm. then you are going to want to be progressive and i don't even again i don't mean that in like a liz warren bernie sanders way you're gonna be like (laughs) oh things could change moving forward exactly and yeah Yeah. anyway we could so interesting we could literally talk about this for like eight hours so we should probably just wrap it up okie dokie well I love this episode and we had a great discussion. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm very curious where this is going. We did get an interesting shot after the revelations about Nick that I thought was interesting. He comes on to like, 
a military plane and everybody like jumps up and salutes him. I did like that part. I think it's weird that he's been just a driver. Like, <laughs> like was this just some sort of, was he on sabbatical from being terrifying or something? But I don't know. I am hoping we'll get answers to some of these questions. Yeah. I would love it if we got a little bit more insight into what Gilead's reputation in the world at large is. I would love that. You know, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious too. And you know, more Maloney, more Reeser. More Maloney. Oh, oh more mm. Maloney. Um, <laughs> we have to go because Molly's about to spontaneously combust. Wee! All right. Well, everybody, take care of yourselves. Take care of your girlfriends. And Nolite Tebastardes Carborundorum. Dum, 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 <laughs> oh, sorry, I cut you off. Da-na, no, da-na. it's too. Where, where do you even stop? <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs>